And so whenever people say, well, what do you really mean by the gospel? Now Jesus gives you the gospel in its totality, but in a very short form. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. We talk about the gospel quite a bit on this podcast, but it may be a fair question to zoom out and ask, if you had to define it in one sentence, what is the gospel? Luckily, Jesus does this for us by giving us the gospel in its totality, in a single sentence. In fact, our guests, Lars Olson and Dr. Chris Krogan, say this definition of the gospel is so good that it serves as the mission statement for all churches. I can't wait for you to hear what Jesus tells his disciples before he ascends to God's right hand. But first... Here's Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, He withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have both Dr. Chris Krogan and Lars Olson with us this week. Thanks for being here, both of you. Great to be here. It's good to be with you. We're in the uh, 24th chapter of Luke, um, Ascension Sunday, and it ends with, uh, we were saying just something strange, uh, almost ironic, after they worshipped him, that is Christ, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we were asking, why is it that uh, that they have joy after their Lord and Savior has seemingly left. He's carried up into heaven. Right. And so the joy is an important part to understand the whole text because what Luke is dealing with here in the Ascension is he's actually getting this um, understanding of the Ascension coming out of the Old Testament, which he refers to here, um, even in the text as it's written in the Moses prophets and and the Psalms. And so Luke is actually referring to the Ascension as from Psalm 68 verse 18. And uh, this is what the Apostle Paul understood as also happening. And what we have here is it's often mistranslated in English. And the translation usually comes out to function to say that um, he ascended on high 
leading a host of captives in your train. That's what you're going to find when you go into your, open your Bible to Psalm 68, 18. But actually in Hebrew, it's a nice Hebra- Hebraism. And the Hebraism actually says, he took captivity captive. So if you actually translate it literally in the Hebrew, it's he took captivity captive, which is an interesting thing because what it's saying is when you take captivity captive, you've actually undone captivity. So the way we've talked about this when I've taught this other ways, it's like trashing trash, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it's deathing death. If you death yeah. death, there's no more death, right? If you trash trash, there's no more trash. If you take captivity, cap- captivity captive, no more captivity. So this is part of their joy is when Jesus, now the resurrected person, is back on the scene, there is no more death there for them to be afraid of. And that's what has reconciled them to God because he took their captivity. Now, what is the captivity that held them captive? Their sin, death, and the devil. And so this is why, as we walk through this, we're going to talk about they walked away in joy. It's a participle and a noun of yes, the same exactly. word. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for us to understand in English except for just to say it, but to try to put it into our grammatical language, people are going to, what? It doesn't mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I mean, sensical. Yep. On, on the face of it, it is confusing to say, okay, your Lord Jesus Christ, who's been giving you miracles and has now resurrected, you've seen the biggest miracle of all time, he's leaving you and you're like, woohoo! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it does take the theology to kind of sink in to understand what you mean by by Psalm 68. Yeah, exactly. But that's also exactly what Jesus has been after this entire time in his, his whole ministry is to say, I'm coming to undo so much of sin that it's not going to be clinging to you anymore. Mm-hmm. It won't be able to uh, hold on to you, won't be able to take you captive any longer because I'm removing it as an option from you so that it's so that your sin no longer is the one that's binding you, but rather the bindness has been taken away so that you are completely free after his resurrection and the word that comes. So is that partially, so jumping into the text for this week, verse 44, Mm -hmm. when he says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That's the lead up to all of this, right? That's what he's getting at. And this is what was promised. What, what this is saying is, it was promised that I was going to come, and it was promised that I'd take captivity captive, right? And what, whereas a lot of people were thinking that in order to remove sin, you had to actually use the law. In order to conquer death, there was going to be a different way apart from actually being swallowed by death. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Jesus was swallowed by death and then was resurrected, that ended the power of death which is what Paul's saying, death, O oh death, where is thy sting? Mm-hmm. And so it, all of the Old Testament leading up to when Jesus arrives has been saying, this is what the Messiah is going to do, but nobody really understood it, which is why exactly then verse 45 is very important, because then Christ opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Well, and in before we go to 45, one of the interesting things about 44, it doesn't say... Uh, the prophets and the Psalms will be fulfilled, can be fulfilled. It says they must be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very, very strong vocabulary to use there too. Yeah, must it be, must be fulfilled. Like there's not inevitable, an option. Right, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what that. And must I is. think it's important to to give the context of 
it's easy to read this 2,000 years later and just kind of lump history all in, in this in biblical time, that it's all in the Bible and it's all happening kind of simultaneously. But when they're saying, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that the law of Moses was given how many years ahead of Jesus's mm-hmm. actual ministry, right. that this has been established in the Jewish community for a long time. And for him to actually say that my words are true, everything that was said actually happened here mm-hmm. is monumental. Absolutely. And even to say that all that the prophets and Moses and the Psalms have been talking about was exactly this, that death and sin would come to an end. Not just there will be a Messiah and he'll do some great things, but that Jesus was prophesied for this, that the whole of the Old Testament is is pointing at it. Now, a lot of people try to go to the Old Testament and say, you know, you, you got to read it on its own uh, context and there's no Jesus back there. But Jesus himself uh, <laughs> is saying, these are all about me. Uh, this is all about my death and resurrection and my ascension that is uh, at the end of this text today. Mm-hmm. So what's it mean then, uh, this verse 45, that he opened their minds uh, to understand the scriptures? Well, all of chapter 24 has been about the resurrection and the disciples not knowing what's happening and the, the, the walk to Emmaus, and, and they can't see him even after the... Um, even after the resurrection, it's just unbelievable. And uh, this is Luke now coming and telling us that it's not our ability to um, understand what Jesus has done, but Jesus himself coming and opening, uh, unlocking our minds, freeing us from uh, sin, death, and doubt in order to see that all of these things have been about him. And so it's Jesus opening the scriptures to his disciples and to us. So we're not saying, you know, this is what we think happened, but this is Jesus saying, this is what has been, this is what I've been doing for you. Mm-hmm. It's just Jesus saying, again, everything I've preached to you, now they actually come to realize is so true that they aren't even thinking about it. It just is an event in their lives now. So by scriptures, he's referring to his own preaching throughout his lifetime to his disciples. And he's always preaching on the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So scriptures, he's talking about everything that was written about me, I am saying again, which is a promise, and I'm delivering that promise to you. Cool. So what? Well, so but then now this is this is what is important. So then he actually quotes that, and this is is verse forty six. And so whenever people say, "Well, what do you really mean by the gospel?" Now Jesus gives you the gospel in its totality, but in a very short form. Okay, and so this is what he says. So you're about to open our minds to the scripture. Uh, this is this is exactly it because what a lot of people do. Again, we've talked about this in the past. Mm-hmm is they'll say, yeah, there's the gospel of forgiveness and resurrection, but there's more than that to the gospel, <laughs> right? And Jesus is Lars not... Lars chuckles because he knows. <laughs> yeah, but Jesus... There's not less than it, though. Yeah, but Jesus <laughs> Jesus is not actually saying that at all. He's not. He's just saying, this is... Let me summarize the gospel for you. Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. There you have it. It's that simple. So that's what Jesus came and did mm-hmm. to do and now says the proclamation is going to go to all nations, which is our job now. I, 
it's maybe it seems so jubilant, Nile, to me, but I just I love and really appreciate as a Luther House person when the scripture just comes out and says the gospel. But then that also I get more critical when sitting in churches mm. because when it's right there clear as day, it makes me even more upset when it's looked over or not acknowledged or not talked about very frequently. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. Um, I agree with that. But in some ways, you actually look also at, obviously, when someone mistakens the law for the gospel, mm-hmm. they're stuck in verse 45, verse 44, essentially, mm-hmm. which is their minds haven't been opened yet yeah. to the freedom. And so that's part of the The veil's thing. still over their hearts, as Paul says. Yeah. yeah. And so they're just still stuck there. And so Christ has to come and open their minds, which is why, again, we do this podcast, but that's why Mm. each of you, even if you have a pastor who is doing that, you say, can we just have a little conversation about the gospel and say, this is what I understand the gospel to be, and pull out your Bible and say, is this not the gospel? And let let the Spirit do its work. So what's, uh, uh, especially most, I'm, I'm assuming most listeners are, American. <laughs> no, there's quite a few. Uh, we have maybe there's international. Not. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I have been updated they reach on a broad that. Spectrum. <laughs> what's what's all nations mean, or how how does it how does that uh, uh, how should we hear that today? Well, you can hear it as the same that was promised to Abraham, and so when Abraham is promised that you will be bless all nations, the 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 Hebrew word there is goyim, mm-hmm. which means not. Um, um, states as we'd have in our current world, that is to say, you know, Russia and Germany and Poland. No, that means all peoples. Now, Goyam, remember, are Gentiles as well. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's key is to hear that word nations, because that is the fulfillment of the prophets that he's talking about, as well as what we hear in, in Moses, which is Genesis. And so it's literally saying, this is what Abraham was promised, is that you would be a blessing. Your seed, who is Christ, we've talked about in that past, is going to be a blessing to all nations. So that's why that word is very important. It's really easy for us to get bogged down into our tribe is the right one, our tribe is God's chosen, and limit where the gospel is to be proclaimed. Uh, And I just love Luke 24, the end of this. Because it just puts a just puts the mission of the church just front and center, that forgiveness and repentance for the for, uh, I'm sorry repentance and forgiveness of sin is to be proclaimed to all nations everywhere. It means there is no boundary left. The, I don't care if it's a state or a country. I don't care if it's a tribe or a language. There is no place where the gospel is not to be given, mm-hmm. and that removes churches congregations from saying, you know what, uh, we're just going to keep our own little. Uh, fiefdom over here. We're going to stay within our walls or within our community uh, mm-hmm. because Christ is constantly pushing the disciples out further and further. And they don't have to come up with their own mission statement. They don't need their own mission statement. <laughs> Jesus has given it to them. Yeah, exactly. Jesus, but we all no, let's figure out something. Well, should we gonna, be feeding the hungry or well, the, uh, uh, endless come up amounts with of programs? God equals that, that love. Seems to, what about the marketing agencies? That yeah, are, you know, <laughs> we're going to put a lot of people out of business if they just adopt this as a mission statement. Yeah. Uh, and just uh, say that's what <laughs> Christ and his spirit is doing finally. Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, so often um, churches jump back to Matthew 28 for their commission to to make disciples and um, to baptize, which is great too. But this is just pushing it even more directly on what the mission of the church is, to go out into all corners of the earth, all nations of the world, in order to give that word that Christ has given. Uh, The disciples fall right back into this, of course, after this ascension in, in Acts, Uh, Jesus tells them, you're going to go out from Jerusalem to Samaria and to the ends of the earth with Mm -hmm. this message. Um, And uh, they're always retreating back to Jerusalem. They even do it here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus has taken them out as far as Bethany, and they're like, this is wonderful. Let's go back to Jerusalem. Uh, uh, They they don't quite hear, just like we do uh, these days. Uh, Our congregations have a hard time hearing that the gospel is going out to every corner. There's not one place that you can't take it because Jesus has ascended on high, sent the Spirit to us in order to make this word heard around the world. And that's kind of an interesting point. Because if you read this mission statement, and we talk about this all the time on this podcast, that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be, be proclaimed in his name to all nations, comma, beginning from Jerusalem. That can, like, to me, it was just kind of a, I'm like, why does that need to be in the mission statement? If you're going to have cut some fat somewhere, <laughs> beginning from Jerusalem, because at this point in history, the, the gospel is all over the world. Like, why do we still need to have beginning from Jerusalem in our quote unquote mission statement? Mm-hmm. Right. That's just because that's where the cross and resurrection happen. That's where the commissioning comes from. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we don't just center around there, even though the, the disciples kept hanging around until the Spirit said, uh, no, you're yeah. going to get pushed out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's that's really, I think, the, the reason why it says from Jerusalem to Samaria, because that was the next logical, the next right. uh, boundary to cross is just to the you know, to the, to the Samaritans, the, the half Jews, and then uh, all the way to the rest of the world. So he continues, uh, you are witnesses to these things and see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now this sounds. Uh, this is a precursor to what we're going to have for the next week, which is going to be Pentecost. But yes. this is also something that me as a lovely, lovely sinner I could read it, and when I hear Adam say power from on high, or sorry, when I hear Adam say clothed with power, mm-hmm. I immediately go to power of myself. Sure. Sure. Immediately go to, okay, this is going to happen for me, to mm-hmm. me. I'm going to become better You're gonna be than special. all of you, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about Christian powerlifting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please, I don't work out. <laughs> Lars. <laughs> Some big power right there. Yeah. But I think that that's an easy place, at least to, for me, an easy to. place to go to. Right. Yeah. So what if it's, it's not that, that what is thinking. the power from on high that we're talking that Jesus is talking about? Power from Christ or power from the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's that again, having been set free. There's your okay. power. Because think about it this way. Um, how you can give of yourself with no fear when you're not thinking, will this hurt me? Will this kill me? Will this deny me? No, you're free now. You're free from the sin, so you're not having to justify your actions anymore. Not figure out, am I right or wrong? You're free from death. You don't have to protect and be self-serving on everything. And you know the devil can't actually play with your conscience anymore. That's Just think of how powerful you are when nobody, nothing, can get at you. That's the power on high is that freedom, right? The power uh, is the freedom. It's also the, the spirit's work of forgiving sin that when we, 
when we talk about God as almighty, the most powerful thing that he can do is forgive sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not produce miracles. It's not uh, show up anywhere. It is simply to make you believe that your sin is forgiven, which is the mission of the church that Christ empowers through the spirit for all that we do. Yep. So then he led them out to Bethany and then he, what's he do? He starts giving them a good word again. And so he starts speaking well of them. And then the next part, which is where people start to kind of think through it, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the things that we say often every Sunday in a creed. He was seated at the right hand of the Father, mm-hmm. right? Now, a lot of people think that's what we mean is Jesus has, you know, quote, unquote, left the building, right? That's mm-hmm. not at all what we're talking about here. What seated at the right hand of the Father means is he is actually the one that has the power. That is, that's what the right hand was, was you are in the position to speak for the Father now. And so when Jesus was ascended into heaven, it was that he was given now all authority on heaven and on earth right there ascended. It's not that he was um, vacuumed up into heaven and you were not seeing him anymore. No, his power is now everywhere. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like you would have to find him or that his yep. power or word is gone and yeah, that, he went, period, that he nope. went away. Like, uh, not at all. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, I don't mean to be um, negative to left-handed people, but hmm. the right hand is generally being understood as the, the strong hand, the powerful, mighty hand. And Christ <laughs> is ruling at the right hand of God, the right hand of God as the power of God, which is to forgive sin. Uh, that's what we mean when we're talking about God's almighty power. That's what we mean when Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is God's strong action, which is finding sinners and freeing them. And the next, I mean, the next word too, and they worshiped him. So he's right. gone and yet they worship him. Right. <laughs> like he's yeah. there. <laughs> yep. And, and this is an important word um, because we also have, you know, the verses where every knee shall bend and mm-hmm. tongue confess. And people think, because this worship here is actually to bow down to, right? But this isn't like, the, the, the reason it's not this, oh, he's so mighty and now I'm afraid I need to cower and just you know, be at his feet. No, it's actually the worship here is actually a celebration. It's a moment of joy. And so that's what we have even in the next lines of the text is the worship is actually an expression of thanks be to God. Look at this. This is great. Why? Because he's freed us from our captivity. Right. That's the key, which is why the, the, the ascension and especially the psalm is the key to this whole thing is freeing us from what had bound us. And so this is what they're going to go running away with and return to Jerusalem with all this great joy because they're like, wow, freedom is amazing. Freedom mm-hmm. is... So they aren't sitting there going, looking up into heaven going, oh no, they're like joyful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what next? Or- exactly. <laughs> Let's go. They've, they've literally been sent out into mm-hmm. the world now to go get them. And as you said, uh, they were continually uh, in the temp- temple blessing God. So they go back to Jerusalem with great joy. Uh, mm-hmm. Lars made the comment that they are off to Bethany. Then they go back to Jerusalem, which is kind of funny because they mm-hmm. don't go out like they're supposed to right away. Uh, but they still end up uh, worshiping Christ. Yeah, and they're, but they go back and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So they go back and they're waiting. And then what we're going to hear next week is how the Holy Spirit comes. I'm going to read this. Luke, who is the author of Acts, is going to now lay this out again one more time. Jesus oh. ascends to the right hand of, of God yep. and the power of God now is Come. launched into the world exactly. through the Spirit. Exactly. exactly.
And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Lars Olson and Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us that the mission of the church is at the front and center of this week's lectionary text, that the repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed to all nations. There is no boundary left, no state, no country, no tribe, and no language. There is no place where the gospel is not to be given. Every church is called to this. Every church is to preach the gospel. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, Jesus' power is now all over the world. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.